Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. Exodus chapter 6, just three quick verses. We stand for the reading of the Word of God because the Word of God is the greatest thing in God. In fact, the Bible says that He elevated His Word above His name. And so we believe in honoring the Word of God because it's through the Word of God that all things happen. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, 7, and 8 says, Therefore, this is God speaking to Moses, saying, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. Everybody say, He is the Lord. And here's what he says. He says, I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. Verse 7, I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Let me just pause here real quick to just say this. So many times people wonder, who is God? Where is God? Is there a God? We have to understand that in the reality of who God is, there's no way to comprehend His majesty and His vastness until you have been claimed by Him. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for God to claim me today. Amen? I'm ready to know beyond knowing that my God has me in the palm of His hand. Let's go on to verse 8. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Real quick before you see that, I, I want to point one thing out to you. Notice how he starts off. Before he gives these four key promises, he tells them, I am the Lord. He establishes his credentials. That way you know when these promises come, they're not just accidental ramblings of some invisible deity that we will never see and can never know. He's letting us know, I am the Lord, and what I say is coming from the mouth of the Lord. He gives the promises, and just in case you forgot where they came from, he reminds us one more time again, I am the Lord. Why is this even important? Here's the reason this is important. The Word of God is His identity. The Word of God is where the power lies. The Word of God is where the effectiveness lies. So when you can lock into the promises of God, this is sermon number one right here, when you can lock into the promises of God and you recognize that the God of all gods is the one who's given you a promise, you can hang on to that and take it to the bank. Amen? Real quick before we're seated, Father, let your Word come alive in us today. Speak your Word into us. We are here to receive, but not just be hearers of the Word only. But Lord, we want to leave here as doers of the word in Jesus name everybody said amen let's clap our hands as you're seated we're beginning a brand new series today that we're simply calling baptism everybody say baptism baptism is something that is often overlooked and often misunderstood in the life and the effectiveness of a believer because sadly so many people have based their view of baptism on what a denomination or a bent of faith has taught them or, po or possibly even theological or spiritual books. They went to the Lifeway bookstore, they ordered it online, and they got a book about baptism, and they thought that was the end of it all. But I want you to know that baptism is so much more than anything we've ever understood. And today, I'm going to begin this series. We're going to be in this series between now and Easter Sunday. 
And every Sunday we're going to be digging into what baptism is and what baptism is not. And you say, well, why are we doing this? Because I want us to dive in to God's ultimate plan for every believer. You've got to understand, baptism is something that God planned for you long before He created anything. And if you really want to understand who God is and who you are in God, man alive, I'm already preaching. But if you truly want to understand what God has designed for you, you need to wake yourself up to the reality that He's got something so much more for you than what somebody could just simply put into a few pages on a book that costs you $16.95. Well, I went to seminary. Good. Take all of that, roll it up in a ball, put it in file 13, because it's not going to mean anything to you you got to dive off into who he is by diving off into his word because his word is his identity. He will not separate himself from his word. By the way, this isn't even in the notes, but let me just say it. Is it okay if I pastor real quick? Stop telling me what God told you if it doesn't line up with the word of God. Sometimes we ought to take the word that we feel for somebody else and put it in our back pocket until the word of God actually confirms it. Because sometimes this ministry we're doing to other people is hurting them. Because it doesn't line up with the Word of God. Okay, I just got back from Africa. I'm back into friendly mode. By the way, we'll be unpacking our trip to Africa and Amsterdam here over the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. We had a lot of fun, and God did some amazing things. And here in the next three months, we're going to be launching NOLA Church Nairobi and Mathari North, and I cannot wait for that. Praise God. Praise God. In fact, let's give a big hand clap and a, a New Orleans welcome to all of our, no, uh, our Nairobi family who are watching with us right now. Praise God. We love you. Pastor Kevin, Pastor Helen, we love you. Buena Asafiwe. Jumbo. There you go. Santa Sana. Anyway, I sat in a sauna. That's all you got to remember. I sat in a sauna. But baptism is literally diving deep into God's ultimate plan for your life. It's not resting on the surface. It's diving deep. And baptism is more than we understand. And here's what I truly believe, y'all. I believe that if we can understand what baptism is, we will understand why we need to be baptized. You say, well, what does that even mean? Here's the, here's the reason that this is even an important thing to talk about on Sunday. There are believers all across the globe who have been convinced that they don't need a baptism experience. Because someone stood up in front of them at a pulpit or in a small group Bible study or in a classroom or they read a book or they watched some late night TV when they should have been asleep and someone told them that baptism wasn't necessary. Let me just go ahead and lay the foundation. If that's what you believe, you're going to hate the rest of this sermon. Because I believe not only is baptism necessary, baptism is integral to our experience with God. Somebody with me this morning. Baptism is more than we understand. And if we understand what baptism is and what baptism is not, 
we understand why this experience is so important. And, and I, I believe this, that the significance of baptism cannot only be found in the New Testament, which, by the way, is where we base 90% of our belief and our practice about baptism is on what we see in, in the New Testament. But baptism is so important that we actually see it played out in Exodus 6, verses 6, 7, and 8, what we just read. You can see God's plan laid out in the four aspects of the one baptism and he lays it out in these four promises that he gives in fact if you need a title for today i'm simply going to title it god's promises everybody say god's promises man y'all said that like you're ready for me to stop let's say god's promises that sounds so much better on the podcast do that every time we're going to dive into this god makes four really distinct promises in these three verses. And you, you have to understand the context. The people of God had been enslaved in the, in the nation of Egypt for 430 years. They, had been, they went there to escape famine, and when they got there, they weren't there very long when they got a little bit nervous. The Egyptians got nervous and realized these people are growing. Let's start oppressing them. The more they oppressed them, the more that they grew. And so they enslaved them, and they made them work for them. They had lived as slaves for 430 years. There were people that went in that died. They, they went in free but died as slaves. There were people who were born in slavery and died in slavery. There were people that had no clue what freedom was all about. And the whole reason that God had Moses tell these promises to his people is the people were beginning to become discouraged. Moses shows up on the scene and starts saying, God is going to do something great in you and through you. And they're like, we don't know that we believe this because this is all that we know. We don't know anything else. We don't understand anything else. This is everything. Have you ever been in your life and felt like that is all that there was? You wake up in the morning and you're dealing with your anxiety. You wake up in, in, the, in the middle of the night and that's all you know. And you think, this is my life. I want you to know your God doesn't ignore you in these moments. He already has a way of escape plan. In fact, he said, before you ever get into that, I've already ordered your steps. You need to trust me through this. You may not see it. You may not understand it. You may feel like he has abandoned you, but he has a plan for you. So Moses comes and he gives these promises. And these four promises are literally the foundation and, and the keystones of, of the practice of and the celebration of Passover. Anyone ever heard of Passover? If, if you have some Hebrew friends or if you've spent any time in the Bible, you know the importance of Passover. And we even celebrate Passover now. Those of us who are not Jews, if, if you've grown up in, in a Christian denomination or non-denominational, you've probably taken communion. Anyone ever taken communion? You may have grown up in a church scenario where they called it the Eucharist. All of this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And, and these verses of Scripture provide the cornerstones of what Passover, communion, baptism is all about. So let me show you how this works. There, there are four promises. And, and by the way, y'all, this is going to be the bulk of today's sermon because over the next seven weeks, I'm going to dive into baptism in a way that some of you probably have never even, had never even thought was possible. We're going to touch on subjects that you did not even think were connected to baptism, but I'm going to show you in the Word of God that they're all intertwined and they're all connected and they're all important for you as a believer. Amen? Y'all ready for this? By the way, this is a series you want to have something you can take notes on because we're going deep. Here we go. Promise number one is the promise 
of salvation. Everybody say salvation. God said, I will free you from your oppression and rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. Now, you have to understand this. When you're reading the Bible, there is both literal and symbolism woven together. We make mistakes when we get them out of order and we don't understand what they are. Throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament, looking back on the Old Testament, you see that the nation of Egypt is always representative of sin and life in separation from God. Now, it would be really easy today, especially in our current political climate, to think that God is being racist against the Egyptians. He's not. It has nothing to do with the people. It's the system of thought that it represented. Y'all with me on this? God doesn't hate Egyptians. Egyptians can be saved. By the way, I've been to church where they said the exact opposite. I just want to clear the playing field. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and there is mercy for everyone. Amen? Aren't you glad for the free gift of salvation? But in the Bible, Egypt represents life outside of God. And the Egyptian nation had enslaved God's people. It's very much like when Jesus is talking to the disciples in the New Testament and to the other followers, and he says, if you are bound in sin, you're in slavery to sin. He's going all the way back to this mindset that the enemy that is fighting you wants to enslave you in things that you can't control. In fact, you try to control your addictions, you try to control your feelings, but you can't because your feelings and your desires and your addictions actually control you, you've got to understand that is slavery to sin. It's your sin sneaking up on you and lying to you and telling you you can't live without insert whatever is the thing that you can give up anytime you want. You just never seem to get around to do that because it has you. You have to understand, God gave you a promise. And in the book of Romans, we learn this, that if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been grafted into the lineage of Abraham, and every one of God's promises belong to you. You've got to understand this. God's promise belongs to you, which means you may be bound in trespasses and sin, but there is a gift and a promise of salvation that God has for you, and it is actually the first aspect of water baptism. Let me break this down. This is okay this morning. The very first place that God took his people upon leaving the land of Egypt was the Red Sea. And if you spent any time in Sunday school growing up or been to church at all, you've heard at least one or 75 million sermons about crossing the Red Sea. There was even a quasi-good movie that wasn't biblical, but it was still a good movie with Batman playing Moses. Christian Bale will always be Batman, I'm sorry. I'm Moses. No, wait, you're Batman. I can't. wasn't a biblical movie, but it was a great movie. Go watch it. It's good. And then the water rolls back, and then the people of Israel walk across, and all this. This is the beginning of a journey that means something to you. By the way, let me say this now. I say this often, but don't let anyone lie to you and tell you that you don't need the Old Testament. Because the pathway of your relationship with God is forged in the pages of what we call the old. And God just says it's the first part of the covenant. It's the foundation that everything in grace in the New Testament is based on. You can't find salvation without the Old Testament. Because God's plan of salvation is not given in the New. It's simply revealed, but it's given throughout the Old Testament. Y'all with me today? God takes them on a journey and there were four significant 
stops that provide us some insight. And the first stop was the Red Sea. They came to this barrier of the Red Sea. They had no place to go. The mountains were on both sides. The Egyptian army was behind them. And the Red Sea was in front of them. And there's somewhere between 2 and 6 million people that are needing to get across on the other side. There's not enough ferries in existence to make this happen before the Egyptian army is going to be upon them. And God takes them through the Red Sea on dry ground. This represents the very first stop in our journey to salvation or the very first stop in understanding what baptism is all about because the promise that God gave just a few chapters before they exodus, the promise that he gave that I will free you from your oppression and rescue from your slavery in Egypt, I took them right through the Red Sea. So, hey, this is what it means to you. If you truly want to be free from yesterday, if you truly want to be free from the things that are controlling you and locking you down, you need to go through your own Red Sea experience. We call it repentance. Repentance is not a separate encounter from baptism. The baptism of repentance is only the first aspect of God's ultimate plan for your life. It's good this morning. Takes us to the second promise. The second promise was the promise of deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. They crossed through the Red Sea. God wiped out the Egyptian army. Completely set them free, completely closed. Oh, somebody hear me on this. When they walked through repentance, God closed their past off behind them. Ooh. Brace yourself, I'm going to be on that for a minute here. Stop hanging on to yesterday when you walk through repentance. It's more effective when you let go. Let it go. Let it go. They're saying no because they've seen me do my Disney dance. My pants are too tight, I can't do it. So I won't do it today. You're welcome, but there will come a day. They walk through the Red Sea. They're on the other side. The past is behind them. They're no longer slaves. But they didn't know what to do next. Because all they knew was slavery. They're going through life free. But all they know are the chains that have been on them since they were children. I'd be willing to bet that there were probably some permanent chafe marks on some of their wrists or maybe even their ankles. There were probably some scars from being beaten. That's all they knew. And they step out into this wilderness in freedom and they, they're like, now what? The now what is what happens to most of us after we acknowledge that there's a God. They got uncomfortable where they were because all they knew was something that was in the past. And so they started complaining about what they had and what they didn't have. Moses, you should have left us in Egypt. Yeah, we were slaves, but at least we had good food. We had garlic and onions and leeks. We got dirt and rocks and whatever that is crawling over there. There's nothing out here. All I know is what I've been feeding on my entire existence. Hey, self-righteous Christians, give new believers a chance. 
All they know is sin. It doesn't happen overnight, no matter what a religious zealot would tell you. It's a process. It took years for that to get in them. What if God takes years to get it out of them? Instead of judging them, just put your arm around them and say, Hey, I'll walk this out with you. That's free. You didn't even ask for that, but that's free. That's good. He says, I'm going to redeem you with a powerful arm and with great acts of judgment. But the only way that I can deliver you is, yeah, I got, I got you out of slavery, but now I need to get slavery out of you. Because you have the taste of Egypt. It's like during our 21 days of fast, like the, the first three weeks of the 21 days of fasting. I'm still wanting Doritos. Just being real. Because I ate Doritos and like I, I make the mistake before the fast starts. Come on, let's pile it all in. We're going to eat everything that's in the kitchen tonight. Well, then the next three weeks you're miserable because all that's in you. Trying to come out. So God took them to a place called Mara. And at Myra, the, the water that was there was bitter because it was filled with minerals. Any of y'all ever drank mineral water on the regular? No pun intended. Because when you drink the minerals, it works the stuff that's in you that's not good for you out of you. I'm not going to get gross and, and talk about what actually happens but the best way to describe it is just whoosh. God takes them to Mara, and they're complaining because they still had the taste of Egypt. They wanted to go back. They were willing to go back into slavery just to have some garlic on their food. God said, I got to get that taste out of you. Drink this water. I don't like it, God. It's bitter. Drink it. Because I'm going to flood. you got to imagine what that was like. Two to six million people all with the runs. Like something was being worked out of them. Literally. But just in the same way that walking through the Red Sea is an experience that you need. And the baptism of repentance is a, re is a baptism that you need. The baptism of deliverance is also very important for you because it's the baptism of water. What is the significance of the water when we baptize? Is it to get someone wet? No, it is a cleansing. Where does the cleansing come from? The blood of Jesus. It's not ceremonial. It's not optional. It is integral to your experience as a believer. Well, I've never read that. It's in the Bible. Start in Genesis and go to Revelation, and you will see it a lot. Well, I've never been taught that. Let go of what you were taught and place your thoughts and place the foundation of your life on the Word of God and not what somebody else said about the Word of God. And find out that God wants to take you to a place to flush out the things in you that are not of Him. Pastor, I struggle with this. 
I would go there. I would do this. I would say this, but I can't. I, I just. I get it. It's hard to let go of these things that have defined us. Because even though we've been set free, our bodies don't know it because we turn this into a ceremony. Or we made it just, oh, that's how you join a church. Or let's make it super easy. We'll baptize our babies. By the way, search. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. I'm not trying to offend anyone. Please don't be offended. I'm not, I'm not making light of anything, but I want us to be founded on the Word of God and not on religion. We make it easy on ourselves, not understanding the significance of what is happening and the significance of these things, and we wonder why our lives have no deliverance. We wonder why we can be saved, yet struggle with addictions. It's because this has become nothing more than an encounter at church. I wonder what would happen in the life of some believers if we would allow baptism to be complete. Allow God to take us to that bitter water and flush out the taste of sin in us. I don't know if I can live without it. You need to be cleansed. Isn't it interesting that repentance in the New Testament is described as a dying out? And water baptism is, des is described as a burial, which, by the way, that's why pouring water on your head does not baptize you, because that doesn't bury you. If it does, the next time one of your family member dies, just sprinkle a little dirt on their head, everything will be fine. You need to be buried into the blood of Jesus Christ. Pastor, that's creepy. Don't talk about blood. The blood is what saves us. The blood is what cleanses us. You can't have a born-again experience until you've been washed completely in the blood of Jesus Christ. And how do we access that? Through water baptism. Deliverance only comes when we are washed in Him. This is good this morning. Y'all are quiet because I think I'm bumping you. Y'all still like me? All right, let's go to promise number three. Promise number three is redemption. Everybody say redemption. Redemption is, is one of these promises that's often overlooked because it's misunderstood. It's misrepresented, and people don't normally connect this to baptism, and as a result, people get things out of order. He says, I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God, and then you will know that I'm the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I want to redeem you. The word redemption is often confused with salvation. It's just being another word that means salvation, but that's not what redemption means at all. Redemption actually means a repurposing. Take something and repurpose its usefulness. It's being used this way. I'm going to repurpose it, like the building that we're in. This was a ladder shop. We repurposed it and turned it into a ladder to heaven. That was dumb. That was dumb. I'm sorry. Just We'll edit that right on out. That was stupid. But our lives, our lives that have been dedicated to sin, and God first wants to repurpose us because all we knew is what we knew. And he says, I've got something more for you that's greater than anything you could have imagined. But you have to allow me to repurpose you. In fact, if you read and you study the context, here's what you're going to learn. This repurposing is not just a change of purpose. It's a restoration of the original design that God has for you. He goes all the way back 
to what's described in Ephesians chapter 2 as you were in the mind of God before he created anything and he created things for you to do. God had a purpose for you before he created the world. In fact, if you believe the Bible by the way I do, I believe that God created the world simply for you and I to fulfill our purpose. And his promise of redemption is not just to change what's happening now. He wants to take you and restore you to who he designed you to be in his mind. What's God's vision for your life? What's God's purpose for your life? Man, I wish I could, wish I could find my dreams. Are your dreams connected to his purpose? Or does he even have a place to sit within your dreams? You got your vision board. Is God any place on there? Does God have a purpose in your, in your life? Does God have a place in your life? Because you were in his mind before he created anything else. And he wants you to know the purpose that he designed you to fulfill is a purpose that he will continue in until his purpose comes to pass. The promise of redemption is where he takes what's happening now. But I'm broken. This happened to me. My pain, my suffering, my addiction, my loneliness, my abandonment, my anxiety, my depression, my proclivities, my fleshly desires, the things that I believe about myself that I know aren't true, but I don't know how to believe. He says, let me just take all that, change the purpose, and restore you to who I designed you to be in my mind. But this shows us the baptism of discipleship. Because the next stop after the bitter waters of Myra was 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. 40 years. Now, I want to give you some context because I don't want this just to just be another grouping of numbers that you hear out of the Bible. I want you to understand the significance. Somewhere between 2 and 6 million people, Houston, like the south side of Houston, a lot of people, like six of the GNO, they're wandering around in the wilderness. Some scholars have, have posited the theory that if, if people lined up side by side, two by two, and, and started walking out of the land of Egypt, they were in the region of Goshen. If they started walking out of Goshen, when they walked in, a, across the Jordan River, there would have still been people walking out of Egypt. There were so many people. This is not a huge landmass that they wandered around in for 40 years. But they could have never taken the Canaan land, the promised land, if they had not been through the wandering. This is where believers mess up. They don't want to be discipled because they don't want anyone to tell them what to do. They don't want anyone to tell them where their thinking about God is wrong. They don't want anyone to challenge them with the word. And church planning has become such a trend that we'd rather have people walk in and walk out than actually build people's lives and actually fulfill Matthew 28, 19, and 20 to go make disciples. 
Discipling is something that's so vitally important. You and I both need to be discipled. We need someone discipling us. Well, who do I need? You need a believer who is stronger than you, who is in the community that you're in, who knows the journey that you're on, who's going to be pouring into you what God has been pouring into them. You need someone to hold you accountable to the Word of God. You need someone to walk through the wandering with you. And it's uncomfortable because you lose sight of everything you know. You're like, I've been here before. Why am I, somebody know what I'm talking about? Why am I here again? Because you're still being discipled. And there's a lesson you didn't learn the first time. It's time to learn it one more time again. Don't move past the wondering. Because that baptism of discipleship is where the repurposing takes place. You've got to understand this. They were slaves going into the wilderness. All they knew how to do was make bricks. But when they crossed the Jordan, 40 years later, they were a mighty army. They didn't even know how to carry a sword because they had never owned one. But somewhere in that 40 years, God taught them what they needed to take the land that he had promised them. Some of us wonder why the promises of God that we know we've received aren't coming alive in our lives. It's because we've never stayed in the wondering long enough to learn how to use them. Churches want to skip past this or, or they'll skip past repentance to disciple somebody person has never repented of their sins. They haven't even received salvation. We're trying to disciple them. person doesn't even believe water baptism is for them, and we're trying to make them leaders. Put spiritual... No, you can't do that. Don't get out of order. Don't get ahead of God. Let God do His thing. Let God do it in His order, in His time. And oh, my friend, you need to find yourself where you're at. If you've already repented of your sins, if you've already been water baptized, great. Allow God to keep you in that wandering until it's time for you to possess the land that he has for you. But it's uncomfortable, I know. This is not even the direction that I went in the first experience. But God wants somebody to hear this today. I know it's uncomfortable and I know you may think that God forgot about you, but he didn't. Remember what happened to the children of Israel during that 40 years. Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. You're like, well, I don't even have a context of this. Let, let, let me show you what this is like. Whatever clothes they were wearing when they walked out, 40 years later they were wearing them when they walked in. I, I don't think you got it. I'm significantly taller 47 years ago than I was 47 years ago. Not much. This is the height I was at age 13, and I didn't grow. I just expanded. Joe, stop it with your jokes. Skinny people always messing with us, healthy people. But when they left Egypt, like, this miracle blows my mind. A 40-year-old is not the same as a baby. Yet the clothes the baby was wearing the day that they walked out 
were the clothes that the 40-year-old adult was wearing walking into the promise. You may think God abandoned you, but every day He's just expanding what's around you to accommodate what He's doing in you to get you ready for where He's going to take you. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Hang on to the Word, not the bogus. Because He said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. You may feel like you're abandoned, but I am not going to abandon you. In fact, I will not just be with you, I will be in you takes us to the fourth promise. The promise of fulfillment. He says, I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as your own possession. I am the Lord. The promise of fulfillment is the promise that a lot of believers want to skip around because they don't understand it. And it definitely takes us out of our comfort zone. The promise of fulfillment is seen as the children of Israel cross in mass across the Jordan into the promised land. By the way, God was not done with them simply crossing the Jordan. It was only the beginning. They had another whole series of lifetimes where they had to go in and they had to conquer the land that God had already given them. Sometimes you're going to have to put some work into the promise coming to pass in your life. Amen? That's a freebie as well. Amen. But they crossed the Jordan. What does this signify? This actually is the fourth cornerstone of the one baptism that we see described in the Word of God. And this is the baptism of the Spirit. Notice what he says. I will bring you into the land, and I will give it to you as your possession. I'm going to fulfill every promise that I gave to your ancestors. I'm going to fulfill it in you. This promise applies to every person in this room. Because the promise of something more than just a religious check the box and go home unchanged is fulfilled in this promise. Stepping out of the wandering, out of the wilderness, into the promise where my life can now suddenly be effective, the same thing happens in our life when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're old school, baptism of the Holy Ghost. I just want to make sure that everybody knows we're on the same page here. Spirit makes people feel good. Ghosts scare people. This is where the enemy gets a hold of people that have good intentions, but he confuses people. He tells people, all you need is repentance. He tells people, all you need is water baptism. That's the end. He tells all you need is discipleship. Here, get in this 15-step class, and I'll take you from the Alpha to the Omega, and you'll learn everything there is to know. But you'll still be just as empty as you were when you started. You still won't know how to do anything in your life because information won't fulfill you. Can I say it like this? Your career that you're pouring everything into won't fulfill you. 
The relationship that you feel like you have to have won't fulfill you. Only a place of intimacy with the very breath of God can fulfill you. A mistake we make so many times is we try to get people into the altar receiving an Acts chapter 2 experience when they don't even know who they're repenting to. Yeah, God meets us in our ignorance. But I think what would be a whole lot more effective if we would approach baptism the way God designed it. There's one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This one baptism has four parts. Start off with just simply repenting. Acknowledging there's a God. Then go into water baptism. Let Him take care of yesterday. Oh, by the way, every believer needs to be water baptized. Don't let someone tell you that someone else got baptized for them. Don't let someone tell you that, oh, someone else made this decision for me. No, 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 no. It's got to be your decision. It's got to be your experience. You need to go into the water. You need to be born again. Someone else cannot be born again for you. Someone else cannot make the decision for you to be born again for you. This is your decision. Go through the wandering. But don't stop there. Allow him to baptize you into a place of fulfillment so you can be effective. Let me just say this. God's ultimate plan for your life is so much more than simply accepting him. Repentance is great. It starts the process, but it can't complete it. Receiving salvation can't stop. That's just the beginning. And, and water baptism is great. It deals with your past, your present, and your future. But if you remove the repentance from water baptism, you're just getting wet. Your water baptism has to be precursed with you repenting. This is why you need to be baptized. You say, is he talking to me? Yes, I am. talking to me i'm talking to you we need to repent and we need to be water baptized why so that our past can be taken care of but we also need discipleship because discipleship develops us right but here's the deal development can't save you i can give you so much equipment like we can have a we can have a theology class and i can like overload you to the place that your head's going and you will walk out just as lost as you did when you walked in. Because development won't do anything to you. I can, I can train you. I can, I can bring you alongside me. And I can just train you to do stuff. But if we're not allowing the Word of God to bump us and reshape our lives. Hey, if somebody hear me. Please hear me. There are some things that you need to let go of. Pastor, that sounds like legalism. No, that's not legalism. I'm, 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 I'm appealing to you. There's some things that you need to let go of because your effectiveness is stopped because you haven't taken care of it in water baptism because you just got wet and it didn't cleanse you from it. 
And then when the development came along, the development had nothing to latch on to because it was a bunch of weakness. Is this okay? I'm not saying this with judgment. I'm saying this with love. Because God has called you to just this time. And he wants to do something in you. But it starts with repentance. It continues in water baptism. And it continues in, in, your, in your discipleship. And even Holy Spirit baptism, while it empowers you to live an effective life, it's only an experience if you don't allow Jesus to direct your life. And there are people that have received an amazing gift of God, and they even operated the gifts. But Jesus isn't directing their life because they will not submit to spiritual authority. And they wonder why it doesn't go right for them. You've got to allow God to direct your life. You've got to allow Jesus, when he baptizes you in his own spirit and with fire, you need to allow him to pull you up under the authority that he's put in place so that your life can be effective. I have no idea why I'm even going here now. This is not where we went in the 9 o'clock, but somebody needs to hear me. God has a purpose for your life. It's time to stop treating God like an add-on or an app. It's time to start letting God be the center of your life. It's time to start letting the Word of God be the thing that you build your foundation on. Don't build it on your career. Don't build it on what you amass. Build your life. Build your life on the Word of God. Because baptism is so much more than simply getting wet. Baptism is so much more than, than simply going through the motions at, at a church service because you got emotionally wrecked. No, baptism is the beginning of a journey that will radically change everything about you. And here's the deal. Baptism is the beginning of a journey that will not only radically change you, but when God brings you to that place of empowerment and His Spirit baptizes you and His Spirit overshadows you and His Spirit begins to permeate through you and He begins to direct every part of your life and He claims you and says, I can use you now. And He sets you free and He says, look, I'm just going to wash away. When He begins to do this, the world around you gets changed. Oh, we'll change it in the next election cycle. No, you won't. It will be just as screwed up in November as it is today. There's just going to be a whole lot more anger. Because when Bernie doesn't get elected, everybody's going to lose their junk. That wasn't prophetic. That's just intelligent. And everybody's going to get ticked off because everybody's trusting in the government. Let's leave the government to the government. Let's stop building our life on what is happening in this world. Let's stop building our life on our possessions and on, our, on the stuff, our houses, our cars, our clothes. Oh, my God. Build our lives on the Word of God. And watch what changes. Start seeing your career as nothing more than a means to an end. I'm in my job because there's someone here that God wants me to reach at my job, through my job. Is this good this morning? Father, I know, I know that under the sound of my voice today, God, there are people who your word has challenged, your word has bumped. 
I'm one of them. But Lord, I believe there's so much more that you've designed for us. But we've got to start at the beginning. So I pray right now, Lord, that you would begin to breathe your Holy Spirit into this room. Breathe your Holy Spirit into every life, into every heart. Right where we are, right where we're sitting. Lord, breathe your Spirit into this place. Meet us, even in the midst of our distractions, God. Meet us where we are right now, God, because we know you have so much more for us. With nobody looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed. In fact, I'm going to ask nobody be moving for the next few minutes.